Hello and welcome to another podcast edition of Taiwan Talk, ICRT's weekly interview segment, bringing you conversations from and about Taiwan. I'm Keith Manconi. With the Olympic Games set to take off in just a little bit more than a week, Taiwan's athletes are already heading over to Rio de Janeiro to start getting ready. It's actually uh, quite a big group Taiwan will be sending over this year with uh, many of Taiwan athletics' biggest names among them. Also among them, though, are are plenty of new faces, new names to learn. So uh, for everyone out there who's planning to cheer on Team Taipei, thought it might be good to learn a little bit about these athletes who we will be cheering for. And uh, to do just that, I paid a visit to the Chinese Taipei Olympic Committee, where I spoke to their secretary general, Jacqueline Shun, who has been on the show before. She laid out for me what we should be expecting over the next several weeks. Jacqueline Shun, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Oh, hi. How are you, Keith? Nice to see you again. Yeah, very nice to see you again. So when the Olympics kick off uh, over in Rio, Taiwan is going to have 59 athletes competing in 18 uh, different categories. And before uh, I turned on this microphone, you were telling me that uh, since the Olympics started qualifying rounds, which you know basically means it was uh, since then, it's been a little bit harder to get into the Olympics. You had to go through trials and uh, make sure that all the athletes uh, hit a certain bar. Uh, this is the most athletes that Taiwan has ever had over there. So uh, quite a milestone. Yes, it is. Uh, since they started the qualifying system in uh, in the Atlanta Olympics of 1996, and this is the, by far the largest delegation that we have, 59, 59 athletes, and out of which 26 are male and 33 are female. And uh, what, do you think that this reflects anything about uh, the hard work that Taiwan's been putting into training these athletes? What do you think that this says? Uh, let's look at the number uh, the number of sports. It covers eighteen sports, so which is the, by far the largest uh, variety of sports that we have at the Olympics. So this shows uh, uh, an across the board improvement in the uh, in the training and on the overcome the results of our, our sports policies. All right. So for our listeners that maybe aren't a hundred percent familiar with uh, the athletics scene in Taiwan, uh, tell them a little bit about who they need to be following uh, when the game starts off. Who are some of the athletes and some of the sports that you're most excited about? Well, we can look at take a look at weightlifting because uh, in weightlifting we have very very strong women athletes. Uh, one lady is called Xu Shujing. She won the silver medal at uh, London Olympics in the event of fifty three kilo, uh, kilos. And the other lady is called Guo Xingchun. She's also a very very she's a, she's won the world championship uh, in weightlifting. So these are our stars, and we also have a very strong women's archery team. And the archers are really, really steady, and they are sure medal winners. And we could also concentrate uh, or focus your attention on our uh, traditional strong sport, Taekwondo. Yeah, uh, Taiwan won two gold medals back in 2004 in Taekwondo. So uh, is this going to be an exciting year as well? Yes, we have a lady called Zhang Jiajia who captured the world uh, title, uh, the championship. So we expect her to do well, you know, uh, come home either with uh, gold medal or silver medal. 
now, another athlete that's been getting uh, some international attention, actually, uh, is a very young boxer, uh, Taiwan's first uh, boxer to compete in uh, the female boxing challenge. Uh, that would be uh, Nian Qin Chen. Uh, tell us a little bit about her story. Oh, Nian Qin is a rising young uh, star in boxing arena. She is 19. I think she is just turned 19 and she's going to college. She is. Uh, she won uh, the silver medal at the Nanjing Youth Olympics in boxing title. And that was the first ever boxing uh, medal that we ever got. And she is very hopeful. We hope that she could at least get uh, uh, repeat her good performance and capture Elise's silver medal in women's boxing. Hmm. And uh, I read that actually originally she was, uh, she got her start in athletics as a wrestler. And it was her, uh, I think it was her uncle that talked her into starting boxing. Yes. And uh, she liked the game. So she continued. And also uh, uh, for the fact that she came from a, a village in Penghu, the Pescador Islands, and where training is not that easy. So she moved to Taiwan and she's <clears throat> undergone her training here. And she's a very, very happy. She's, uh, she's an Aboriginal. She's from an Aboriginal tribe. She's a very, very optimistic, enthusiastic, and very, very bright, you know, girl who speaks, who has a pretty good command of English. Mm. All right, uh, let's take a look at uh, another event that I think a lot of our listeners will be interested in, because there are a couple of stars here. Uh, Tennis. Uh, What can we expect from tennis this time around? We have the Jan sisters, Jan Yongran, Jan Haoqing, you know, they're really, they're really strong pair, and we have Xie Shuwei, who's also a, a very, very shining star. Mm-hmm. And in men's tennis, we have Lu Yanxun, uh, who's, uh, who's beaten a couple of good uh, international names. And he's, he's doing all right uh, this season. So we hope that he could probably get to the semifinals. Now, just to help our listeners understand what it's like to be an athlete in Taiwan, uh, just to give them a sense of how hard these athletes are working, could you tell us a little bit about uh, their training? I mean, uh, you, you, you know all these athletes. You know a little bit about what they went through. What sticks out to you as uh, an example of, uh, you know, really how hard these athletes need to work to get to the Olympics? They have to compete against uh, all the peers in uh, in counties and in cities and in various schools and to be uh, to become national athletes, na- national level athletes. And once they have reached that level, they they are trained rig- rigorously by uh, the association, and they're sent to the national training center in Kaohsiung, which is really really. Uh, a huge training center with the state of our equipment and good trainers and but they have to undergo very very rigorous and very very tough training schedules and you know how the weather is in Kaohsiung so you know they're they're there 24 you know 24 7 and they they have to do their studies there too and they also uh, they're canceled in the last I think in the last month they're being ground grounded you know can in a in a sense that they have to gear up and be fully concentrated and prepare for the Olympics. 
Uh, are there are there any sports that are, are, are just impossible to uh, study in Taiwan? Uh, for example, I, I mean, I, we have equestrian. Not everybody knows that uh, we compete in the equestrian uh, event, uh, but I, I believe that it's uh, there. There is a track in Taiwan for that. Yeah, but not of international standards. So uh, our athlete uh, Xia Wang is trained in Europe all the time. Uh, well, thanks to her parents, you know, they really support her for the, <clears throat> for the past, like, uh, 20-some years. She's 27 now, and she's, she's been doing this for, like, almost, almost 18 years. And because of her love for the horses, you know, she, she's really uh, dwelt into the sport. And she, do you know that she has, uh, she's, um, she has a really, really blurry eyesight. She can't see very clearly, but you know she doesn't wear glasses. And when she does the, high, <laughs> the, the jumping, she's really counting on the horse. So it's it's a bond between the animal and the person, the the rider, and she's mastered that well. Mm. So it's almost like the horse can see for her. Yes, she says the, ho- the horses are at her eyes. Mm. Mm-hmm. So are there any other sports where the athletes need to travel abroad for uh, their uh, preparation? Tennis. Tennis uh, and golf players. Mm. They're, uh, they're doing the professional leagues. Mm. And also for athletics, uh, our boys and girls are sent abroad uh, to be trained in America mostly. Mm. Uh, and is that just because there's more open space or, or, or is it more about the coaches? It's more about the coaches, mm. really. They have good coaches, and also the, the language. You know. mm. Well, our athletes have fair understanding of English, so that helps their training in America. All right, uh, so speaking of equestrian, actually you told me before we turn these mics on that this is the first year that Taiwan is going to be sending over uh, an equestrian uh, competitor, uh, and there's actually a lot of firsts uh, in terms of events that Taiwan is going to be represented in uh, this year. So tell us about a couple more of those. There's women's rowing and there's also women's wrestling, mm. which we've never had the entries in the Olympics before. And now we have two girls in there. Mm. Mm. Uh, another very cool one uh, would be gymnastics. You were telling me that uh, Taiwan has not sent over a gymnastics team in uh, a number of years. Not to mention team, not even a single individual. But this year we have a boy, Li Zhikai. Mm. Zhikai Li, uh, he's, he's doing very, very well. Uh, he, a documentary film has, was even made for him, you know, Fan Gun Ba Nan Hai, and Row, Row, Row Boy. And he, it, it was a success. It was a very, very well-known documentary. And he's a well-known boy, and I wish that people would also... You know, also applaud for him and cheer for him. It's not easy to get into a gymnastics events. Mm. All right, let's uh, talk a little bit now about where this is all going to take place. Uh, Rio de Janeiro, of course, uh, there have been uh, a few concerns about some aspects of the city's preparation uh, for the games. Uh, but let's just start with uh, what life is going to be like for the athletes while they're there. So they're going to be living in uh, the athletes' village. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that's going to be like for them. All of the athletes will be living at the athletes village, and it is a it is a, a complex uh, comprised of I think eighteen buildings, like eighteen huge condo buildings, and they will be sharing uh, the rooms with uh, teammates, and they will be uh, they will be taken very good care of on the premises because there will be dining room. Uh, 
a gym, a swimming pool, laundry, and uh, and polyclinic. Everything is everything is taken care of uh, on the village premises. So they will be. You know, they will be guarded very, very safely and securely, and even the food is uh, prepared by nutrition <clears throat> nutritionists and also uh, with very, very high standard for uh, food safety. Must be a nice little break for them uh, from all their hard work, get treated like royalty for a little bit. Uh, but one concern that will be very difficult to protect them from uh, is you know, the mosquito-borne disease, uh, the Zika virus. Uh, I read uh, recently that actually uh, a number of uh, health experts kind of prepared the teams a little bit, uh, prepared 200 uh, Zika virus prevention kits to send over them with them. Uh, those included, uh, most importantly, probably mosquito repellent. Uh, they also had face masks for, you know, to protect them from influenza diseases other than Zika. Uh, is there really anything else that they can do uh, to prevent uh, the spread of Zika while they're over there? We also bought for our athletes a sonic insect repellent mm. so that, you know, it's solar powered so they could wear it on their bag and the, and the insects will be kept away from them. You know, so it makes a sound? It doesn't really make a sound. It has a sound that uh, mos- mosquitoes can detect and, and become afraid so they will, they will stay away from the athletes. Mm. Well, that's reportedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, have any of the athletes uh, mentioned that this is a big concern for them? I, I mean, uh, there are athletes in other countries that decided not to attend these Olympics. Uh, it seems like many, most of the big names uh, that I know about uh, have decided to go to uh, Rio de Janeiro. Uh, but have any of them said that, they, you know, this is a, a concern for them? Depends on the sport. Uh, water sport athletes are more concerned about uh, because waters were the... Uh, that you, you would probably have a large number of gathering of insects, such as mosquitoes. And also golf players are worried about because they walk among the, <clears throat> among the grass and the woods. And so aside from that, uh, I don't think any of our uh, athletes too worried mm. uh, because uh, so far all the reports we got from World Health Organization or IOC uh, is green light. You know, in winter, there shouldn't be uh, too much a worry. Mm. And then definitely another concern, I mean, you just mentioned water sports, uh, particularly uh, for sailing. Uh, you know, there are reports that there are some sanitation issues uh, in the bay where uh, those sports will be taking place. Uh, is, is there any uh, preparation that uh, the athletes can do to uh, prevent, you know, some of the, the bad effects from that? We will have to monitor them closely. The, medic- the medics would have to pay special attention to uh, the water sports athletes. Uh, but aside from that, we have to trust uh, the organizing committee uh, with their ability to clean up the water, mm-hmm. uh, which they said they, are, uh, they have done so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then probably the final concern uh, that a lot of people have uh, would be security. Uh, uh, there's a lot of reports of uh, perhaps unrest that's going on in Brazil. Uh, the economy is not doing very well over there. Uh, is uh, is that something that uh, you're worried about as well? Oh, these are our big headaches. We're so worried that uh, if the athletes leave the, the athletes' village, you know, I I I can't guarantee that they will be that safe in the streets of Rio. So we try to uh, we try to uh, beg them off uh, going out of the village. Mm. So that because we're worried about the socioeconomic situation in Rio. 
Mm, but uh, it's probably hard to tell young people to just stay put and uh, you know don't go anywhere. So go in groups. We would say go in groups and watch out behind your back. Mm. We that's the best we can do. You know, give them enough warn, warning, and so they would know how to stay out of dangerous areas. Mm. All right. Well, uh, I want to switch subjects a little bit and ask uh, maybe a somewhat more abstract question. Uh, Taiwan actually uh, gives a lot of support to these athletes and uh, even encourages them uh, with uh, incentives. Uh, it was recently reported that the uh, incentive for gold medals here uh, was increased from 12 million to 20 million NT. Uh, it's a big cash prize for these athletes if they do manage to win a gold. And then there's uh, somewhat smaller incentives for the the bronze and the silver. Tell us a little bit about what it means for Taiwan to be participating uh, in such a high-profile international athletic event. Why is this an important thing for Taiwan uh, to, you know, step out on the world stage and put its best foot forward? Medals are important for us because uh, when an athlete stands on the podium and receives a medal, he he or she is seen by the international community, not just the sports world as well, but the whole world, you know, the, the, our, our 60 billion uh, viewers out there. So they will see Chinese Taipei athletes and know that we're, uh, we're, we are very, very good in sports and we are very dedicated to uh, the well-being of the people and they know our names and they will, uh, it's, it's a great exposure, you know, for the country and for not just for the athletes but also for the country as a, a tiny, tiny little island state on, uh, in a far corner of the Pacific Ocean. Mm. So it will be it will be what we deem as our show of force and our show of confidence. Now, of course, uh, when we think about uh, athletics in Taiwan, Taiwan is a middle-sized country. So uh, you know, there's certainly not as many athletes as there would be in a huge country like India or the U.S. or or China. Um, and uh, then on the other hand of things, uh, I think everybody knows that uh, a lot of Taiwanese parents uh, have very specific dreams for their kids, and those dreams are not always to become an athlete. Uh, a lot of other things that they may have in mind. Uh, so, uh, you know, sometimes I imagine there, there is a little bit of a lack of support and a little bit of a challenge for uh, really helping those athletes come through. Uh, and that's definitely where uh, groups like yours come in uh, to help support the athletes that really are uh, showing a lot of talent, a lot of potential. Uh, so could you tell us a little bit about uh, what you do uh, to help out those athletes? We do have a difficulty of um, not getting enough support from the parents for their children to engage to be engaged in athletic uh, affairs but uh, so most of the talented athletes come from a pool of, of aboriginal or or the less well to do uh, families economically so we try to help uh, the athletes with uh, uh, scholarships or sponsorship we Manage to get sponsorship for them on a yearly, on a monthly basis to improve their livelihood, and so that they, the families would be more, more willing to let them take up sport. And because we we understand that one one of the reasons that parents don't want their children to take up sport is because they think it's a dead end street. So we developed this athletic athletic career planning program for them so that they can plan well in advance the, uh, to take up a second optional uh, career after they retire from the play fields. Mm. 
So that's called the Athlete Career Training uh, Planning Program, mm. which has helped some athletes to uh, really plan ahead and be prepared to enter into the job market mm. after retirement. Yeah, it's actually it's kind of interesting that you mentioned that. One of my first jobs uh, just out of college was uh, actually tutoring athletes uh, at my university, and it was basically the same idea, making sure that they, uh, once you know their athletic career was over, uh, that they had uh, an opportunity to move on and uh, be successful in some other pursuit. Uh, so, I mean, it is really possible, and athletics can be a, a part of a very successful life path. Uh, do you think that uh, more parents are realizing that and uh, attitudes are changing towards athletics, or, or, or is that still a very challenging discussion with parents? It's challenging, but it's getting better. You know, it's improving slowly because they see, they see the, uh, the support that's been pouring in uh, from the business world. Uh, the uh, the companies, the enterprises, they're uh, they're willing to pitch in, and and the government has uh, the government has amended the law, so they uh, the businesses will get uh, tax waivers for their sponsorships to athletes. Mm. Uh, just for you personally, as somebody who is a sports fan, what events uh, do you think that Taiwan has the best shot? I, I mean, I'm not going to make you choose favorites, but uh, where do you, where are you most hopeful for uh, winning gold? Weightlifting, mm. the ladies, you know, and also I'm eyeing on the archery team, our ladies' archery team. Our women, our women, are doing very, very good. Uh, all right. And then uh, my final question is just, you know, this is your chance to talk to uh, to say something to uh, folks that, you know, really do want to support Team Taiwan, uh, see them succeed. Uh, how should they be showing their support? What, what, what would you like to tell them uh, about how they should be, you know, thinking about the team out there or showing their support? Watched broadcast because the broadcasters have been complaining about low ratings. Please support us by the apps support the athletes by watch the uh, the television broadcasts and also by going um, to Facebooks uh, of Chinese Taipei Olympic Committee and also to um, the individual Facebooks of uh, athletes to cheer them up. You know, just give them a big hand via air, and we all appreciate that. Mm. Uh, how can they find uh, the Facebooks for those athletes? Uh, they can go link through our. Um, our website, and we have Facebook link uh, at our website. All right. Well, we have been speaking today to uh, the Secretary General of Chinese Taipei Olympic Committee, Jacqueline Shen. Jacqueline, thank you so much for speaking with us. Oh, you're welcome. The pleasure was mine. That is it for the show today. Taiwan Talk is, of course, broadcast every Monday at 8 a.m. and 6 p.m. right here on ICRT FM 100. You can find extended podcasted versions of these interviews, such as the one you were just listening to, uh, online at the ICRT website, on iTunes, and pretty much any place where fine podcasts are purveyed. Uh, we are going to round things out right there, though. For ICRT and Taiwan Talk, I am Keith Manconi. Thanks for listening.